Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Carol, directed by Todd Haynes and released in 2015. The plot of Carol goes something like this. A shop assistant and aspiring photographer falls in love with a beguiling older woman. That sounds like the shop assistant and aspiring photographer are two different people who are both in love with Carol. Um, yeah, well, it was the IMDb <laughs> I know, the summary I've seen it. was like a an aspiring photographer or something. I don't know. I felt like it, it needed the ordinariness of Therese's kind of that ca- so. character. I, it, it's hard to describe in a sentence because yeah. there is that wonderful like dynamic between them that that and the power imbalance and all that kind of stuff that is tied up in it. So I kind of wanted to mention that she was a shop assistant. Okay. As well that's as fine. Uh, whatever just, else. Um, just I I'm more amused by the idea of it being uh, a threesome movie. Them. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I I was bored, so oh, And I know it's not the movie it's not the movie's fault. I just oh. don't like romantic dramas very much. Right. They're never that interesting to me. It's I've had the same problem with Beyond the Lights. I'm yeah, like, you did that's right. I, I really liked this. I kind of got to the end and that bit where it's all just in Kate Blanchett's face and I was just like, yeah. oh, wow. I quite things, liked oh. the last third of it. I thought that was like once everything kind of started to fall apart, it became a lot in- more interesting to me. Mm. Um, actually, really, once they had sex, it became a lot more interesting to me, which is just a little bit before that. Like when they finally kiss in the movie, yeah. it became a bit more interesting to me But because um, things happen. <laughs> um, yeah. But a lot of the time I was just sort of, I was daydreaming a little bit. I, thought, oh. I mean, and it's not, it isn't the movie's fault. I just don't find it that interesting no matter who it's between I just, unless they I were two so, really attractive guys then I'd probably be more interested oh, in it so but that's just it I was so into it and <laughs> I think um I, partly like the falling in love thing which is always pretty awesome to watch but I, I partly like all the other stuff as well like the um well partly that that power dynamic and the age gap and all that sort of stuff but partly also like um I, I kind of really enjoyed being in a movie where um the men are only there to like nag the main characters and get in the way. Not was, only there's a, there's there's one guy who's all right. <laughs> uh, Everybody, all the other guys Carol's are terrible. Lawyer, maybe? No, no, no. The uh, the guy who uh, kisses. Um, oh right, the guy from the Therese, times. but then is cool with her after she's right. not interested in him. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, he was, he yeah. was nice. He was all right, but basically, like the guy who whole... reminds me of Vinny from uh, from uh, Doogie Howser. All right. Oh, I, I can't remember. Who, who was that in? Well. Um, he no. He it's his name is Max Casella, and he was oh, in I know Inside him. Lewin Davis, which I saw yesterday, and they have exactly the same accent. Uh, um, and they're sort of the same height and stuff. So whenever I heard him, I was just like, oh, it's it's not him. <laughs> oh right, yeah. It's just a weird oh, yeah. cognitive dissonance thing. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah. Because I I don't know. I was completely swept up in this and completely loved it too. Good. And I um. It was so. It's so well put together. I really thought Carol was fascinating. I loved watching um watching her kind of put a game face on every time she went to face somebody else and then taking it off when she was with Abby and then eventually that whole journey through to finally being able to take off the game face when she was around Therese. Like I just I thought she was interesting. She was interesting. Um I think for me part of the thing was there's a point at which uh Therese says that she likes being around anybody that she can really talk to and I was like but you guys don't really talk to and, each and, other. And I thought that was weird. And she can't really talk to Carol at that point. At that point, Carol li- likes being around her because Carol can talk to her. Right. Really. But, but, th- but even I then. I feel that Therese is, feels the same in reverse. Yeah. There's a kind of, 
but even then, it, there's a. Uh, it's all about. I mean, this movie's all about you know repression and hand touches and and God, the Christmas colors and and like very hardcore onto into that sort of stuff. And and uh, like I said, it was like watching those uh, the melodramas we had to watch when we were at uni. Um, which is funny because Todd Haynes um, actually remade one of the melodramas that we did have to watch at uni that I kept thinking that yeah, this was like. Yeah, the Douglas Sirk films. Where the one yeah. we had to watch was All That Heaven Allows and it was remade as Far From Heaven, yeah. which is one of Todd Haynes's. I thought it was his first movie, but apparently he made Velvet Goldmine. Yeah, which I love. Um, which is an amazing movie. So, But it's very much something he goes back to. And yeah. it's, this is this was even done very cleverly like – it didn't wasn't just like a movie set in the fifties. It was actually sort of done almost in the way yeah, of a yeah. movie set in the fifties. So we get like all, a whole, all of the major credits. It, it up felt the like front. it was made in the fifties. Yeah, the yeah. way it was, the way it was shot. Um, we even we have a, a shot at the end that's straight out of Rear Window, which mm. is another fifties movie. But it's um, a lot of the shots were very fifties. The way it even. It, Almost looked like it had been shot on film. It was very, um, yeah. It felt like it, it might was, have been shot on film. It, it might have been, happened I, sometimes. I didn't check. Um, it, it just felt like it was. It, it felt very authentic. I mean, I don't. I wasn't around in the fifties, and I don't think Todd Haynes was either. But like, it really felt like that. And he was, yeah. So he was not just like he. He was uh, paying homage to the style all the way through. It was very committed to that. Yeah. Um. I. Yeah, I thought it was good. I just wasn't that into it. And I did feel, I felt like the, uh, the earlier scenes between them, I didn't feel any spark. And I don't know, that might have just been me, but I didn't feel like the connection between them. And so I felt they were like they were very awkward and stilted and like hard to get through. I was much more interested in the movie when Abby was in it or when like, uh, when Carol had to talk to her husband. I thought Kyle Chandler was really good in this movie mm-hmm. and Sarah Paulson, both of them yeah. were really good. Um, and I also thought that guy that I recognized from Gotham was really good in this movie. Oh, um, yeah. The, in a um, very minor role, yep, but he, yep. he has a, a particular way about him that I think works really well. But then again, he, the, yeah, his, uh, scene when the two of them are really super flirty and he's sitting at the table with them is kind of, I liked that scene. Mm. That was when the movie kind of started to come alive a bit for me. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty far into the movie by the time I sort of mm. really got into it. Up until that point, point, I felt just awkward most of the I, time. Yeah, I actually heard, overheard some other people who were in our screening say, oh, I was a bit slow for me at the start. I didn't find it's that. It's not just that it's slow. It was like yeah, I, I, because I couldn't get into the idea that they liked each other. Oh. I couldn't figure out why they liked each other apart from maybe that they you know were attracted oh, to each I other had, so it just didn't yeah no no yeah that that was it like she saw um carol as like and carol's like this vision this woman who is at the same time like very elegant and aloof yeah. but also really vulnerable and uh relatable and yeah, and you can see she, her trying to imitate her at yeah, the beginning when she wants to get the same and lunch and she smokes with her and she drinks in the same way and she's imitating all the things right. that carol's doing because and, she looks and up carol to her is so, i understand it intellectually <laughs> no i just felt it like I, I, when you obviously didn't but i did and carol's um but but it's it's not just the sort of that she's very sophisticated it's that you can see that that's an act and that yeah. she can see that that's an act and she's very that voice too that kate blanchett <laughs> is doing in this movie the Deep, you know, and the the, the, the particular voice. accent. Well, no, because Kate Blanchett can do a couple of different things, but this was a very, very breathy, deep kind of voice that she had in mm. this one. Very, very particular to and very controlled, mm. which is why um the the moments when she's out of control is really good. Like when when she uh, is talking to her husband. Um, mm-hmm. I just think those scenes, especially the the scene where she uh where she's at the deposition. Yep, is probably the best scene in the movie to me 
that is fantastic. Mm. Um, so there are things I, and I, I, I mean, it was shot really beautifully. Mm. Um, I thought the score was amazing. Um, mm. Those colors are crazy. The yeah. colors in this movie are crazy. Uh, Rooney Mara is adorable, which is why I think Carol falls for her. I, for and the first time ever, I actually thought that Rooney Mara and Kate Mara looked alike when I was watching Oh, this. yeah. There were a couple of scenes where Which, I was like, hey, she looks like Kate Mara in this scene. She's so differently um, styled to how she normally is. Like, Rooney Mara is normally, like, sort of, she's very, dresses in a lot of black, sort of, kind of goth type stuff, a lot of lacy type, whenever you see her on the red carpet or just, like, in person. And so, it, she was styled very differently and it makes makes her look completely different. And mm. also, yeah, more like her sister. Yeah. Um, but she was so gorgeously styled. But she's like so twee almost as to be like unbelievably adorkable like that cute little hat that she mm. wears everywhere and her her like bright colored sweaters and her just cute little like she was a scene where she's in like a skivvy and a little plaid dress and i was just like i want that outfit <laughs> and also yes yeah, that's just perfect for this character yeah she was um i liked to see her kind of move from being indecisive and kind of making herself small all the time to mm. coming into her own a little bit more. Yeah, and and, um, and her own assessment of herself as it being all her fault because she can't say no I think was interesting too in light yeah. of being a woman in that era and being a woman in general and just that sort of way of thinking that she just kind of had until that point just gone along with the flow, got along with, oh, boy, ask me out, so I'm going along with that. Yeah. I'm going along it's with this. It's interesting. It would have been interesting to see uh, Abby mentoring her a little bit. Well, I, that would have some been of the best stuff actually came when she and Abby got together. Yeah. I thought, uh, actually, Abby was fantastic. And I was Sarah interested. Paulson is just so good. Yeah. It was, she's so good. Mm, it was interesting also like in light of like, – there's this cliche about lesbians staying friends with their exes mm. and like the community being very incestuous. And it, but in this one, it, that happens. Carol's still friends with her her ex, although I mean, I think they had a longer relationship than that. But it's like you can see why, in an era where everything was so repressed and being out publicly was so dangerous, like that support system of other lesbians, even if you're not together anymore, was so important to mm. her. And I think there Abby was, was a really good character in that sense. Um, the the timeline of it was curious to me because there's this thing. Where like she, because uh, at one point Carol says that she and Abby were over long before she and Harge were together. By the way, Harge. No, um, she says Abby and I were over long before you and I were over. Oh right, okay. I was because I couldn't, and then she's like, it was only five years ago, and I was kind of yeah. confused by the whole thing. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I I really enjoyed uh, the world that they were living in and how that all affected everything was interesting. Uh, there's a the um. The subplot with the uh, Rindy being taken away mm. um, was interesting, especially in the light of seeing suffragette, suffragette. Mm. wherein, you know, women who misbehave are punished by having their children taken away mm-hmm. uh, is, is yep. really and kind of… And men using children as bargaining chips and, and acting like they own them in a in a separation as well. Yeah, I think that's kind of… I, I definitely think he, uh, that Hajj was doing the, uh, the bargaining chip thing, but mm. I don't know if he was acting like he owned Rindy. I think he was just… I mean, I think Kyle Chandler's great. I think there's a lot of pain and like mm. anger and frustration in Hodge that's coming out through the things that he's doing. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like attributing that to feeling like he owns Rindy is not entirely accurate. I, I think he does want what's best for Rindy. Mm. Um, but I think he thinks what's best for Rindy is for her, her parents to stay together and he's yeah. going to try and do that no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's using so it to I think manipulate. it's, a, it's a slightly more, uh, more, 
I don't think he's a villain in this. Not you know no. he he's not he's not painted as a villain. He's painted as and and she's right. You know they hurt each other and and they were both wrong mm-hmm. in what they did because you can't forget she she did cheat on him. Mm-hmm. Um and whether or not that's because she was you know gay and and mm-hmm. not happy with him, she still cheated on him and, and that flaked is flaked on him and flaked on their kid and yeah yeah exactly. So there you know she's not completely innocent in this. No. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. I, I think getting really great actors like Ben Whishaw and Kyle Chandler to play those mm-hmm. roles is always a good idea because it makes them much more interesting and real than just this like cardboard, you know, yeah. punches his wife guy or something like that. Right, that's right. Yeah, exactly. It's not even though I was made, I made the crack earlier about men just being there to get in the way. Um, and it does. It definitely does feel like that. It definitely feels like it's the world of men that it's caught co- that's causing them this trouble. Yeah. But it is, but it, I mean, it's the patriarchy and the way the patriarchy mm-hmm. hurts men as well as women and that sort of thing. I mean, yeah. it's, it is the world of men that's causing them trouble, but it's causing the men trouble as well. Mm. Apart from what's his name, who I kept calling Mitch and I don't think it's his name, her, her boyfriend. Oh, yeah, uh, Rich, Richard. That's it. I was close. You're right. Um, it, it didn't come out of nowhere. Um, Richard was just a pain in the ass. He, yeah, there he was, was nothing likable or nice. I know. Or and there was just this scene where he's like, him. you know what I think? And I'm like, nobody cares what you think. Get off the screen. Yeah, he was like, not, ugh. and he was so boring looking too that I couldn't. It took me ages to remember what he looked like. I uh, yeah, I had um, trouble from a distance picking between him and the friend, the guy at the Times, for a bit. Well, the guy at the Times, I had no trouble with because he uh, sounds totally different to everybody else, and he, you know, he has that really strong New York like Italian type accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very strong, so uh, that I, I I knew who he was, but it was the other friend who was his brother, um, and and not Mitch. <laughs> I kept mixing them up. Um, yeah, yeah. And then the guy who comes to talk to Therese at the beginning and end of the movie, the the bookend guy. Yep, yep. I was like, who is that guy? Do we know that guy? Yeah. Are we supposed to remember that guy? Yeah. No, I think is the answer. Like she's got new friends. I think the point is that she's new friends now. I, I don't know. But she doesn't. He's I, an old friend. Yeah. Um. But then, then she goes to a party with her friends. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's all very bizarre. And then she meets her other girl at that party. And there's like something there, but. They should do, do, don't you want to Carol. know how I know you're Phil's friend? I was like, what? I don't understand the the. <laughs> I don't know, but that's um that's Carrie Brownstein in a tiny tiny role, and she kind of Carrie Brownstein appeared behind, um behind Rooney Mara in shot, and yeah, I, I immediately I was like, oh lesbians, more lesbians, <laughs> and they, they were kind yeah. Of, I kind of figured out that she was supposed to also be a lesbian, but I couldn't. Um, I I didn't know what they were trying to do with yeah, that. Well, they. I think it was just that letting her know that there are other options out there Uh, and that she, there is a community that she can make her life um, with other women and it will be okay. I think I I quite liked that. I did like that one scene with the, um, the New York times friend and, and, Mm. and, uh, and Therese painting the apartment. That was a nice scene. Oh yes. But after, yeah, that felt, um, there was some couple of good, like post breakup things and mm. and of course the the breakup that everybody sees is the one with the boyfriend who's awful and he the one he then we see him hand back a box of stuff but it's the breakup with carol that's really affected her so you sort of see her like restarting her life again repainting mm. re getting a new job well that guy all over. the new york times guy obviously knows about mm. her yeah and, carol. and it was just it was a nicely done um but everything is said without being said. Yeah, you know, it's all it's all subtext, and yeah, that that is the the, the melodrama thing where it's all you know the every touch of the hand on a shoulder sends people into palpitations, right? And all that uh, sort for of some, stuff. for whatever reason with this one, I I was I appreciated all that. I I got it all. I I I, I understood what they were doing it. intellectually. I just didn't feel much for it. Oh. I I felt much more invested after things went 
kind of everything yeah. kind of blew up. You know, the the, the height of the movie, well, the climax. I mean, of the movie yeah, because them getting together happens to quite. And Carol's really forward with her. Like it takes her about five seconds to ask her out and like just start coming on to her. And so I think um, it is it does kind of happen fairly quickly at the start. It does, but it happens very quickly, and then nothing happens for a really long time. <laughs> and there is that kind of like they're not really talking to each other; they're kind of talking past each other. Mm. Um, that that that. So I didn't feel like they were actually connecting. It felt like they were missing each other with what they were saying and all the things that were happening. And even when there's like these emotional kind of moments, they don't turn to each other for them very much. They're like. They're, it's all because it's also repressed. So the the connection was, I felt like it was all missed connections for a really long time. And I think that's might maybe where I didn't mm. feel it because I, I couldn't quite. They didn't quite like come together. It was more like they were just holding back like magnets that mm. <laughs> were like the the same. There's a scene thing. where they're in a car, and I don't know if it's when they're taking off on the big road trip or when she drives her out to her house. But she kind of look. Um, Carol looks at Therese and this she has this look just like this look that just makes me go wow everybody should have somebody who looks at them like that but just they there were some looks between like she's just so loves this girl and I sort of get why the sort of the promise of youth and creativity and being young and hip and all that sort of stuff but she just kind of is completely obsessively in love like she's completely head over heels and it's really cute Mm-hmm. I liked that. I didn't get that. <laughs> I knew what it was doing. Yeah, like I knew I just, that. Well, I know the car scene that you're talking about. Yeah, Kate and every time faces. Man. Whenever those things happened, you know, I was sort of like, um, oh yeah, this is tying into that rainy car scene at the beginning, and they're going to come back to that, and that'll be the like big. That'll be a big emotional moment, and then Therese is going to have to make a decision from that. I, I I don't know. I I could sort of. I was. I felt like I was like putting together a puzzle piece the whole time. Like it was. It was a very much more intellectual exercise for me mm. of putting it all together. And I did feel, kind of feel like I was back in film school, which might just be the whole melodrama thing where I'm like, oh, yeah. And then now they're using this colour and when they use this colour, it represents this thing. I hated the melodrama in film school. I didn't hate it, but I was bored by it. But now so, I'm yeah, me just too. like this. I'm, I'm just like, wow, this is amazing. I think it's it's actually melodrama is kind of a genre that I, I, I don't know that we would have appreciated when we were 19 anyway. Like I think, I don't know, this one is kind of – it works so well because of all the unsaid stuff because of like you have to bring your life experience to it and you have to watch all the little nuances and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I I I have changed enough since the last time I was into this genre to start to maybe get it a bit more. Um, and I was also, I can remember, I, I had some very like um, femphobic attitudes to movies back then as well. Like I wasn't very interested in anything. It was very girly. So I'm, I've come around on that a little bit. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I would say I'm still not, but I really like musicals and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I prefer romantic comedies to romantic dramas. I think just in general, this is not, as, has never been a genre that appeals to me. And and you can see it when, whenever we do these things, Beyond the Lights and Bell and all that sort of stuff. I'm never interested in the romantic side, like the romantic and drama side of things. obviously it's a difficult genre because you don't see many of these, like at mm, all. No, anymore. you don't. And it is a difficult genre and it's hard to pull off effectively, but... Um, and you've got to get like the right kind of mix of people in there and the right chemistry and all that mm. sort of stuff. But it's also, it's something where like you are just watching two people fall in love and you either feel it or you don't. Yeah. And if you um, don't, it's nothing. Um, but I, I can't think of a romantic drama where I 
did feel it. I just sort of go, oh, yeah, they're falling in love, and I know that that's what the movie is telling me. Yeah. I've just gotten, like, soft-hearted in my old age. I'm like, oh, <laughs> these kids. Even Maybe it's because <laughs> I'm perennially single and bitter. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe that's it. I'm just too bitter for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, and I, I've, like, am now too soft-hearted for, for it not to not enjoy it. Um, I did enjoy – there was, like, part of this movie is a road trip, and you – um. She says, I'm going to head west. And you lean over to me and, and you were like, there's not that many places east of New York. <laughs> yeah. But it was a very specific meaning now, I think, in I the know, American West. Just, she keeps saying it and I'm like, it's not like you can go east. Well, because well, coming back to what I was just saying about it being a rare genre, and I think we were talking uh, recently about westerns as well, another genre that was big in the 50s that you just don't see anymore. And um, it, You say we don't see it anymore. It's all over the place at the moment. Yeah, they're Hateful Eight, which we have to sit through in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, but didn't we just see one that was also a western? Or Western Star Wars The Force Awakens. Yeah, the Star Wars. No, I feel like there's been more Westerns around. Oh, no, I'm I'm probably thinking of um, other stuff that's, that's um, not, I've been around. But I, I feel like there's been a lot of Westerns but around. But I, I wanted – I sort of was thinking this in, in like very – that it's very much a product of its time, like the Westerns of a particular America where going West actually has a certain meaning about, get you know, getting away from the city and pushing out towards the frontier and starting <laughs> and again. And facing their Waterloo. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I know. When they uh, did that, and then she's like, "What is this town called?" And she's like, "Waterloo." Isn't that terrible? And I'm like, "Yes, yes, I yes, can it see is. what you're doing here." And yes, that's terrible. Well, I, I, was, I felt that there was Kate coming through there. Yeah. She's like, "Waterloo," isn't it awful? <laughs> Especially since she mangled that word so. Terribly. Well, she, she said it so bizarrely, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. She, well, I was a bit like the daughter. She kept saying "daughter," like really, the R was coming in a weird place for daughter. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, no, it was, I mean, obviously, as far as accents go, she's basically flawless. But this was a strange voice that she was doing. Yeah, the whole well, no, thing. she's doing the the more um the more like the upper class cut. No, class, I, I like got I Catherine got that. Hepburn type. Yeah, yeah, no, I got what she was doing. Yeah. But but I mean, there was a whole there was a whole other bit to it though as well, like the deep and expansive and smoky and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, and going the smoking is a metaphor. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I, the smoking is a metaphor. I was like, yes, we get it. Yeah, I get it. That's, I know. Thank you. I get it. And then she rejects the cigarette and you're like, I get it. I understand what you're doing. I don't know. I really felt like I was in film school again and I oh. was having to do all of this like work for the metaphors and oh. stuff. Um, but yeah. uh, that's possibly just because I wasn't swept so, up in the emotion of it. So. Even though I'm all like the Oscars are stupid because they don't reflect our actual movie going experience, this is one that also got snubbed for the yeah, Oscars this year. So not just black films, but queer films are also getting snubbed. Um, it wasn't just and that I, it's queer. I think I think it's also that it's uh, that it's um, female, like yeah. very very I, female. I, I don't stuff. see why this shouldn't be up for a best picture. Like they're t- well, in, it's better in than a, some of the other in, stuff we've in seen. In a field is- of ten nominees, that. Like and there were only eight, were there? Oh, I didn't. No, there were only eight that how, got nominated. You right. could, they, they can have up to ten, yeah. so they could have nominated. So in it. a field of ten, like at least, I but I, I probably would have given it a, a nod in a field of five, to be honest. I mean, it's just so. I don't know. I haven't seen all the ones that are nominated. Yeah. I'm only excited about Mad Max. So yeah. Um, and but I mean, as far as Oscar movies go, I don't understand why it didn't. But then, like, also the Oscars have just completely lost touch with actual filmmaking as she is played. Um, yeah, I, I just I did actually feel like this one was a bit robbed in that sense, and I think it's up for some acting stuff. I it's, think. it's yeah, it's for not Kate up for the main um, any of the main things. Todd Haynes also didn't get an odd nomination. Yeah. Um, and he's I, for commitment to aesthetic 
and he and his cinematographer should have at least been in contention. Oh yeah, um, it looks amazing. Yeah, and and the commitment to it all as well. Like yeah. it's incredibly well um, put together, down to little details like Carol wears clip-on earrings and she takes them off when she uses the phone. Like just clever little, just little bits of detail. When like we talk that. about the ice box, yes. Yes, because I was trying to work out in my head, you know, if this is – what year is this? And it's 1952. I just looked it up. Um, but I figured it was early 50s. And then, like – and they give you clues as well. There's, like, particular um, – a particular president is mentioned and certain, like, news stories happen and you hear the hear certain songs on the radio and they, they back mm. announce. I finally found out who Eddie Fisher was other than a troublemaker, by the way. He was a singer. I didn't – like, I knew his name, obviously, but I didn't know, like, what he actually did and why he got famous. <laughs> and he's mentioned – he's, he's – Song is playing on the radio and they announce it, back announce it. Okay. Um, anyway, it, so they give you all these clues as to when it is. So I was trying to work out when, like, Kate Blanchett's character would have had to have been born. I was like, oh, so she would have been born in, like, in 1910 or earlier. And, like, you, you sort of – it makes sense that she would say icebox and things like that. Yeah, and, I um, was I was also thinking about the uh, – because Rindy's only, like, four, right, mm-hmm. or five. Yeah. So she would have had to have her fairly old for that period in yeah time. well i yeah i was thinking that um but it's post-war um i i've got i don't know my family has like late babies in that era as well because there was a lot of couples separated by the war and married later okay. so i there's in my family at least there's lots of like older mothers as well um, but yeah she would have been but then i mean also back then you know there's no um there's no you know fertility treatment or anything like that so mm. if you were if you married a bit later and you only ever had one child or you know you had a child at whatever 38 or however old she must have been to have that child at that age yeah mm. it, it was interesting because it is very like it seems very like a very modern thing to have a baby so late but i guess the particular time that it's in it sort of makes sense there were a lot of scenes where I felt like, what is this contributing to this movie? Hmm. And I couldn't come up with an answer for it. Such as? Quite a few. Uh, just stuff, you know, when we follow Therese around doing things <laughs> um, or uh, like when she's talking to her friends or it, it was earlier on in the movie, but there, there's quite a few things where I felt like what they were all they were trying to do is establish place. And it, oh, I think they were establishing Therese as out of place with her friends, lonely in a crowd kind of thing. Yeah, but I felt, but I felt like they'd established that, and then they kept going back to things. And I don't know. For me, I, I, there were quite a few scenes early on where I was like, I don't know why we're doing this. Hmm. Can we get back to the story, please? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, they were just bored. kind of, I kind of enjoyed them, but I, but I can understand how they might be a bit sort of like indulgent because they wanted to show a particular aspect of the history or look, this is how a movie would have been made then. And I feel like the movie tries really hard to establish Therese as like her own character that's equal to Carol in terms of deserving attention from the movie. Mm. And she isn't. Um, I don't think that like, cause Carol takes so much, pulls so much focus Mm. that like they have to, they have to extra establish Therese to make so us invested in feel, her, yeah, because um, she's supposed to be our everyman, exactly. Um, and I think they, I think they kind of, mm. I think that Todd Haynes kind of overdoes that a yep. little bit. And I, I, I actually, that reminds me a little bit of Velvet Goldman. I think they do that in, a bit in that as well, because like, can anybody remember who that? There's like a kid who is the main character, <laughs> right? <laughs> Not Ewan McGregor. <laughs> no, because because the thing is, like Ewan McGregor and uh, and um, Jonathan Rhys Meyers, are, yeah, are what everybody remembers from that movie. Mm. But there's, it's. Is it is it Christian Bale? 
I don't know. But he's it's like, so long he's since the main, I've seen it. But this is the thing. He's the main character. And it's the same thing again where he's like the everyman. It's the same thing as in Pride when there's that guy that nobody remembers. Mm, like yeah. that's what I felt like with Therese is that uh, – mm that you know that it was trying so hard to establish her because carol pulls so much focus mm. um she's so much more interesting and more more kind of uh, uh there's so much more going on with her yes that you kind of feel like therese is just not there's the yeah that scene on the uh, rooftop where i think it's christian bale because he's like no it is i just watching it it, it ewan is. mcgregor and jonathan reese myers mm-hmm. have sex on the other mm. thing yep and they've got to, to yell cut they didn't yell cut and the guys were just going at it for ages. <laughs> I know a lot about I liked Velvet Goldmine. Um yeah, I didn't know that much about it. Um yeah, I I think a lot of a lot of what's going on with Therese is internal. She's that kind of it, it's it's that sort of coming of age type thing. She's young, she's got like this job but she needs to make money, but she's got this passion and it's that, you know, who am I? Why am I hanging out with these people? Who are they, you know, wh- who do I love? Who do I want to be with? What do I want to make of my life? Kind of, it's it's very internal. So there's a lot of like, it's kind of established through, you know, her going about her business r- rather than the big drama of a divorce and a custody battle and, a, mm. um, you know, trying to deal with not being ashamed of your sexuality, but also being forced to hide it and all that sort of thing, which is, seems much more of an issue in Carol's world than in Therese's. I, mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, think that was so... what they were trying to establish is that Therese's world was a bit different, but it, mm. it, it didn't quite work. I mean, you can see why this movie is called Carol and not Therese. Yeah. Like, and Carol is the Well, the from the kind very of opening shot, like, the camera is not even in focus and it sweeps across the room and I'm like, oh, there's Kate. Like, mm. Kate Blanchett has that movie star thing mm. where she just pulls all the focus. Yeah. And – Rooney Mara doesn't, and that's fine. They're different people, and Kate Blanchett is like a big personality, and so is Carol. Like, there's a bit where um, the daughter says to her, "There's room in the car for you, mummy," and I'm like, "There is not room for Carol's personality in that car, dear. Like, there just isn't." <laughs> right. Um, she's so big, and but I think like Kate Blanchett herself is a bit of that. Like, this the it was important, I think, to have the movie star in that role. It's almost like like um, you know a young adult novel or something where like you've got the ordinary every girl main character who gets completely swept up by mm-hmm. this com- you know amazing yeah uh it, it, well it is but, because it's, it's but then the main character is so dull that it's like, well this is i mean this it sort of is this is patricia highsmith wrote this when she was like 22 and was falling in love for the first time with this other woman mm. and it, i can imagine this actually being quite an important movie for like baby queers mm. like new lesbians, teen girls who are just starting to come out, I think it could be quite um quite well, you know, relatable. wouldn't it be great if we had one where it wasn't quite so uh, miserable all the time? That right, well, swell. yeah, it didn't need to be quite so melodramatic. I mean, and it was a high smith. I was worried who was going to die. I was, it was, I was like, oh, God, is this going to be okay? What's going to go yeah, on At here? least it doesn't have it's a depressing a, ending. Yeah, it's a Patricia Highsmith. I, I was worried it was going to be depressing. Is she talented, Mr. Ripley? Yeah. Okay. And um, Strangers on a Train. So, like, quite dark stuff a lot of her stuff she published this under a pseudonym and either didn't admit to it for years or it didn't come out until after she died like she was she didn't want um when she was first starting out she didn't want to be associated with this book because it was too personal and too much about coming out and um too public and because it's it, it was published around the time that it was set so um yeah i think it's 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 kind of i think it's an important like you know lesbian novel or a lesbian film to be made but I, but there aren't many of those i think it'd be wonderful if there was a cute little ya about this um you know 
dorky every girl who falls in love with the head cheerleader from one school over. And I'm thinking of uh, Imagine Me and You. Right. You but be, I'm a cheerleader. Is, yeah. Is, uh, like you but could, that is also about straight camp. Right. Um, That's a great um, movie. Though. Yeah. It, like the, those kind of adorable little movies. I mean, they're, they're different. They're for a different purpose. This is kind of meant to be a movie for adults yes. and that's that's fine. But I think it could be, um, yeah, it could be quite, it's it's kind of important like as lesbian representation too and as recognising yes. that there were lesbians long before, you know, it was fashionable to be so or long before it was you could comfortably be out mm. and marry your partner and all that kind of stuff. So kind of, I think it's kind of important in that sense. No black people though. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I was watching it. Again, Highsmith's got some issues around that like yeah, yeah but they didn't have to do the movie the same way no um like, she could have worked with black people at her job yeah you know, they could have been um, like it, it there's one black couple that comes down the street there's as extras and there's one who's a maid yeah yeah oh no and i think there's also a guy who takes tickets on the train yeah black, yeah and that that's, kind that's of, it yeah it's it's very very white which was the again that's accurate to the period um not not literally accurate accurate to the films of the period right yeah um no, I did notice that. Um, and I don't, like, yeah, I don't know if they would, was because the novel is so white or just they kind of unthinkingly did it, probably the latter. Yeah. Do you want to give it a score? I do, four stars. I'll give it three stars. Cool. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you'd like to read our show notes or find old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we are all over the place, uh, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, on Twitter at screen underscore queens, and on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to read Katie's review of Carol and all of the other movies she has been watching, which is a lot, uh, you can find them on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.